Well, I've been, uh, jump right in this, I've been uh, uh, in a series on healing, I teach in series for those that are here the first time, and um, so I'm doing a series on healing belongs to you in Christ. Before I go there, my notes are available on victorychurchraleigh.com, and uh, you can follow me there. I usually don't share everything in the notes, but they're there for you. And then also I want to remind you, I've said this the past several weeks, I did, uh, I do podcasts on Tuesday and Thursday. I used to do them Monday through Friday, but that was a lot to do. And I got other things to do besides prepare for podcasts, so I backed up two days a week. But uh, anyway, I did 51 podcasts on healing, and they're about 15 to 18 minutes in length. I encourage you uh, to go back and listen to those. You can scroll on, on whatever apparatus you use to, to listen to the podcast, whether it's Podbeam or uh, or Apple products, or what's the other one? Spotify, thank you. Uh, uh, you know, you can go back and scroll back, but if you do that, it would be beneficial to you because I tried to go in great detail and share things that I don't have time to share during services. In these, uh, in these lessons, my goal is to show you the will of God is that, that you walk in health and that Jesus purchased our health when he purchased our, our freedom from sin. Is that good news or not? So we've laid the foundation, and I'll finish that foundation today. And then the next time I come back and start teaching, I'm going to get as practical as I know how to get on how to receive because all of us are at different places in God. Is that true? So I want to get really practical. So uh, some things I've mentioned week after week, there will never be a time in your life that you don't need faith in God for healing, either for yourself or for someone else. Is that true? And I also mentioned this, if you wait to get faith when you need it, you're going to be at a disadvantage. Listen, I've been in ministry. This is my 40th year in ministry. And, man, I've seen some pretty tough situations. You know, you get a phone call and, and, or you find somebody at the hospital or the doctor's office or somebody's come in to see me at my office and suddenly, and suddenly they're in crisis point because they found out about something physically that they were challenged with they didn't know they had an hour prior. And uh, so, you know, I've seen people that were prepared, and I've also seen people that were not prepared. For me, my entire life as a believer, I've seen the need to be prepared spiritually for any attack of the enemy. How many hear me? So don't wait until physical challenges come to get faith. Store it up now. You know, last year when that crisis hit, if you waited till you ran out of toilet paper to get some, how many know? Oh, boy. Is that true? Don't wait for the crisis to come, you know, the storm hits and you don't have electricity to, you know, get you a little extra food or something. Do it now, right? How about, uh, how about be a, you know, you talk about people that are preppers. Let me talk a minute. So, you know, let me just tell you about my personality. I try to get ready for any eventuality of whatever I'm doing, whether it's ministry or my natural life. I keep my vehicles up. I believe in, in, uh, in main, maintaining. I maintain my lawnmower. I maintain my bicycle. I ride a bicycle. I maintain that thing. I maintain my vehicles. I maintain me. How many know, you know, you just want to do that. And, uh, and so I prepare for things ahead of time. In fact, you know, if something happens and the electricity is not running or the water is not working, you know, I got a stash of food at home. Do you? And, you know, I believe God to multiply it. Come to my house. I got some. If that ever happens, I got a way to get potable water, drinkable water. Do you? I'm prepared. Are you? I got a way to get electricity if there's no electricity. I got some solar stuff. I've got some other things going on. You know, you got to be prepared. So somebody say, are you a prepper? No, I'm just, I'm just me. You, you could call me that. I'm kind of geeky in some ways, but I just believe in being prepared. So what about being a spiritual prepper? You ever thought about that? How about get ready ahead of time for stuff? 
You know, we got a bunch of people in our, 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 our congregation here that are pr- previous armed uh, forces folk, and they all know about being ready. Is that true? And they, they're ready for every eventuality and think ahead. You know, if you do that spiritually, you'll be a lot further ahead. How many hear me? So, you know, with respect to physical healing, that's the reason I'm talking about healing in great detail here because I want you to get it. Um, and we've talked about so many things in the past past five weeks. This is the sixth week. We've talked about dealing with fear. We've talked about watching your sources of information. We've talked about being responsible for your health in Christ. We've talked about seven reasons that you can know that healing uh, is the will of God for you. Uh, Faith doesn't begin with God's ability. Faith begins by knowing that God wants to do something for you. You can know God can do something, but does he want to do it for you? So we took that up in great detail. Then we've talked about the healing covenant God made with his people in the Old Testament. Uh, They had the old covenant. We have a new covenant based on better promises, which contain what God gave them as well. How many hear me? And then last week we looked at God's seven covenant names. God is standard. He's the same. Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, forever, whatever God's revealed himself to be in in the past, he still is today. He's the same God. He never changes. Are you glad? Today, this is really simple. This is fundamental to understanding and having faith in God for the healing of your physical body. And let me say again, I'm surprised that more pastors don't preach and teach on divine healing. There's a lot of word going out today, but I don't see a lot on healing. And the question is, why not? Uh, This is something I live in, I walk in, I'm not preaching something that I don't do. I practice this myself, I want to get you there. Healing is also found in the atonement of Christ or the sacrifice of Christ for us. And I want to get right down to bare bones. Y'all ready for this? Turn in your Bible to Isaiah 53, it may be on your device or you may have a hard copy Bible. Whatever, turn to Isaiah 53. i got six verses we want to look at and investigate fairly well today. And you'll get the basis for our faith in healing from the Lord Jesus based on what he did for us in our redemption. Isaiah 53, 1. Isaiah 53 is known as the... Um, it's known as the great redemptive chapter in the Bible. In fact, I love to read the book of Isaiah. It's, uh, it flows so well. So many revelations come out of the book of Isaiah and Isaiah 53. Uh, it's all of the, every verse is about the Lord Jesus, our, our Savior, our Redeemer. And so he begins Isaiah 53 verse 1. Who has believed our report? How many know faith is believing a report? You got to believe something. You're going to believe, you're going to believe what the TV's saying. You're going to believe what you hear on the internet. You're going to believe what your family said, your mama said, your daddy said. You're going to believe somebody. I don't know about you. I think it'd be best to believe God, do you? Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? When you read in the Old Testament, it talks about the arm of the Lord. The arm of the Lord has to do with salvation. And it's often referring back to what Jesus' sacrifice has done for us. It says, um, verse 2, for he, speaking of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground, a tender plant. Now, now you know, there's a lot hidden there. You know, Jesus didn't come in the pomp and circumstance of a king. That's why the Jews rejected him. He came like an ordinary person. He was just like a tender plant. 
growing up out of the ground. My son was at, uh, on vacation. I went yesterday to his house to check things out, and I went by his little garden he's planted, and there were some tender plants. They were just coming up out of the ground. They had planted the seeds. Jesus was a tender plant. It wasn't completely obvious who he was. How many know when God's placed something in you, what's in you comes out? And you don't necessarily have to advertise. There's a lot of self-advertisement today. Have you noticed that? Well, that went over real big, didn't it? We advertise in lots of ways. It's best if God advertises for you. And you take your time. That's what Jesus did. Then it says, and as a root out of dry ground. Uh, a root out of dry ground is, uh, is talking about a supernatural birth. A seed will not grow in dry ground. It has to have, it has to have moisture and sunlight. Well, you can have sunlight without moisture, that seed will die. But it says here, he came as a root out of dry ground. That's a supernatural birth is talking about that there. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He didn't come in the pomp and circumstance. He come as an average, ordinary person. I mean, the people in Jesus' village where he was raised, they knew his mama, they knew his daddy, they knew his, they knew his daddy was a carpenter, they, they, you know, his stepdaddy, you know what I'm talking about. And they, uh, and they, knew, that, uh, they, they knew his brothers, his sisters, his mama. They, they knew him and they knew something about Jesus. And when he comes and saying, I'm the son of God, it blew them away at 30 years of age. He finally says, let me tell you who I really am. And they couldn't believe it and they rejected him and he could do no mighty miracles there. But there was no beauty, it says, that we should desire him. Then verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men. I want to stop right there a minute. If you're accepted by man, often you're not in obedience to God. Let me say it again. If you're looking for the accolades of people, if you're looking for people to smile at you, pat you on the back, good old boy, good old girl, good for you, you're doing great, I like you. It may be you're not obeying God completely. There may be compromise in your life. Now, why am I saying that? I don't have a, you know, you don't want to have a persecution complex and just saying things in such a way to get people stirred up. That's dumb. You know, you want to be kind. You want to be wise, right? But if you're walking with God, the, the trajectory of your lifestyle and what you believe often is cross-current with our culture right now. And it's only going to get worse the closer we get to the coming of Jesus. Yes or no? You know, First John, John said the spirit of Antichrist is loose in the world. That's 2,000 years ago. It's worse now than it's ever been. The spirit of Antichrist has a global ideal to it. Everybody's the same. Everybody needs to come over under the same tutelage, the same laws, the same ideology. Everybody needs to believe the same thing. Well, you know what? That goes crosswise of the word of God and of your life as a believer. That went over real big. I'm saying here, he was despised and rejected by people. When you get the Holy Spirit on your life and you start walking with God, the things you do and things you say, they don't equate with the way our culture's going. Well, just something to think about. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of pain, sorrows, and acquainted with grief. We'll look at that again, sickness. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. 
Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned to everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want you to look back up at verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That, that term sorrows and the word sorrows and the word grief. Other trans, modern translations of the scripture bear uh, bear out that those could be translated or it could be translated this way. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of pains. Now in my notes, I'm not going to take time to cover it today. I've given you a couple of places, references in the Old Testament where that word translated sorrow is translated pains. And then acquainted with grief in, uh, in the notes, and I'm not going there, but I've given you some references where the word grief is also translated sickness in the Old Testament. So you could literally do, uh, translate this this way. He, Jesus, the Messiah, is despised, rejected by men, a man of pains, and acquainted with sickness. Now, I, you got to slow down and think about that a little bit. Jesus inherited my and your pain. You could say physical pain as well as emotional pain. He's touched Hebrews 4 says, with the feelings of our infirmities, our weaknesses. Is that true? And so it says again, a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. Jesus never had any sickness of his own. How did he become acquainted with sickness? When Jesus became our sin, he became also acquainted with our sin. He became acquainted with your sin. You ever thought about it? He who knew no sin, God made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Think about everything you've ever done that you know is wrong. Jesus became that. Think about the nasty words you've spoken, about the nasty things you've thought, about the things you've been involved in, and you know they're wrong. Jesus became that. He became a curse for me. He became what I am so I can be what he is. Is that right? So it says here, acquainted with sickness. If he became acquainted with my sin... He also became acquainted with my sickness. You get it? What does that mean? God laid on him my sin, your sin, but he also laid on him my sickness. So the next time a headache tries to come, say, whoa, 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 Jesus took that headache from me. Is that true? Or your belly's not feeling right. Put the fork down, number one. Change that diet, number two. But then all things being equal, if you're doing what you ought to do and the enemy attacks your uh, digestive system, say, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Jesus took this digestive problem from me. Or maybe you've got a skin issue. Jesus took that from me. I mean, you're taking a shower. Well, looky, looky. No, this is weird to say, but in Ethiopia, I've, had a, I've, you, I've been to, we've got 12 churches in Africa. You know, we stay in some pretty, uh, what's the word to call it, bro? Some pretty strange places. That's roof touch, dirt floors, critters crawling on the wall, critters on your bed when you get up in the morning. So I woke up one morning, and, uh, you know, I'm getting dressed, but I got a rash on my leg. I didn't have it before I came. It appeared. 
And you know what I said? Wait, 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 wait. Ain't no rash can live on me because Jesus took that rash. Jesus became my sickness. And I had to believe God and it disappeared. And so whatever you're dealing with, with is your eyes, your heart. Maybe you got a problem with your lungs, your ears. You know, any part of your joints, whatever it is. Jesus took that just like he took your sin, sins. You ever thought about it that way? So he is despised, rejected by men, a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. He had none of his own, so where'd he get it? He got yours. Is that good? And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Now, some people said, well, that's just talking about our spiritual sins, our spiritual sicknesses there, Pastor Mitch. And I've shared this before, but it bears repeating. I think God knew that, that a large portion of the church and many people who are heady believers, just scholars, and they don't really, really have the Spirit of God directing them as they study and seek God and look at all the original languages and such. I think he knew that, so he gave a divine commentary on Isaiah 53, 4, where it says, surely he has borne our pains and carried our sicknesses. And some people think it refers just to spiritual sickness, spiritual illness. Number one, uh, sin is not a sickness. I hear people all the time saying, well, that person's just sick. No, they're just full of sin. Is that right? And in fact, I hear it all the time. I mean, scholarly, well-to-do people say, well, well, they're just, that person's just sick. That's just sick. Well, no, call it what it is. It's sin. It's rebellion against the known will of God, right? Hmm. So anyway, sin is not a sickness. Sin's a heart issue. And so Matthew gave us a commentary on Isaiah 53, 4, Matthew 8, 16. Read it again. When evening had come, here's Jesus. He's ministering to the sick. They brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. So, 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 so you know, frame this thing a little bit. What's the context here? Jesus was ministering casting demon spirits out of people and then healing people, ministering to him. And in that context, Matthew 8, 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, and that's found in Isaiah 53, 4. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So that was a literal fulfillment of Isaiah 53, verse 4. And I think it's to show us Jesus is not talking about spiritual things there. He's talking about physical healing. Jesus took our sicknesses, our physical sicknesses, our physical pains, so we could be well. Yes or no? So that's a divine commentary. Then, then in this verse, there's two words, other words I want us to look at. Isaiah 53, verse 4, surely he's born. Everybody say born. B-O-R-N-E means to carry something. Surely he has borne our griefs and then carried, or sicknesses, and carried, everybody say carried, our sorrows or pains, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Now, this word born, uh, you can look it up. You can go find, you can get your own Strong's Exhaustive Concordance or Vine's uh, Dictionary of Old Testament Words and look up the Old Testament, the Hebrew words for these words. This word born, the Hebrew word means to lift up. 
to bear away, to convey or remove to a distance. So the, so, the, so the word born is the idea of somebody taking something that you have and carrying it for you away from you. You get it? So surely he has removed, lifted up, born away, conveyed and removed to a distance our sicknesses, and then it says carried our pains. The word carried, the Hebrew word means to assume a heavy burden, a complete removal of the thing that is born. So if you carry something, in fact, Susan got home last night from that women's meeting, and I don't know, she just, I shouldn't pick on her, should I? She took a big old suitcase, y'all. I took that suitcase, and I assumed her heavy burden. And I, and, I, and I had to go in my garage, and there was just a small space between my truck and, the, and my bicycle hanging on the wall. I picked that dude up on, on my sh- shoulders. Ugh. I lifted her heavy burden for her. You get it? That's that word, carried. It's to assume a heavy burden. I did that for Susan. Well, Jesus did that for you with your pains. Is that good? Uh, a couple of different ways to interpret that I think would still be accurate. You've got emotional baggage. People have hurt you. He was despised and rejected my men. Did that hurt emotionally? Huh? You ever been despised by people? Hurt by people you think ought to love you and care for you? Say awful things. Treat you in ways that Shouldn't be treated that way. Is that true? So was Jesus. Guess what? He bore that pain for you. And you can go to him and say, Father, I hurt. Jesus, I ache. Would you come and take the emotional pain? Then literal pain. You know, maybe you got joint pains, back pain. A lot of people have back pains. You know, a lot, I'm getting off now, but the origin of a lot of lower back pain is stress. Did you know that? That went real quiet there. It's true. Jesus took your pains. Jesus took your sicknesses. These words born and carried are very clear. They're actually Levitical words. You're going to see it clearly in a minute. Look down the chapter here, Isaiah 53, verse 11. These words are used here again. Speaking of the Lord Jesus, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. God will be satisfied when he sees all that is accomplished by the Messiah's anguish. And because of his experience, the Messiah's experience, my righteous servant, calls Jesus the righteous servant, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear their sins. Now that's translated carried there in Isaiah 53 verse 4. I will give him... The honors of the victor. Now watch this. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier. This is New Living Translation. Because he exposed himself to death, he was counted among the rebels. He bore, everybody say bore. That's that same word born in Isaiah 53, 4, the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. Now, so what does that mean? That means Jesus lifted up from us and put on himself the weight of our sicknesses, and he carried our pains, physical, literal pains, or emotional pain. 
That is, he took our place just the way he took our sins. Did you hear me? Now here, he's talking here about our sins. Isaiah 53, 4, he did the same thing with our pains. But I want to hone in. God showed me something here yesterday, verse 12. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier. You know, some soldiers gain the purple heart. Some soldiers gain posthumously. Is that the way you say it? It's close. Did I say it wrong? The purple heart. They were an honor, honorable soldier. He would give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. Now, you know, one thing, if, I, if I'm all studied up, prayed up, and I need some chill time, I go watch a, I, I like to watch uh, uh, war movies. And if you watch any war movies, you know the guy that's standing there and the enemy are coming at all directions. And, and, and man, they're just kind of, I mean, they're surrounded. There's nowhere to go. Their back is against the wall. And you got one guy that says, I'm giving it all this guy. He takes his gun out and he goes after it and he starts absorbing bullets for all of his guys. But he clears the field and kills the enemy. It almost, sometimes it takes his life or almost does. How many know that's a victorious soldier? Do you get it? Or the guy, I watched one recently, and here's the guy, and they were in this room, and they're searching out the enemy going from room to room, the special ops guys, and they go into this one room, and the guy's sitting in the corner, and the guy just goes flick, and he throws a grenade, and it lands right in front of his team, his special ops team, the six or seven guys right behind him. He saw it. There's nothing they can do. They're all going to die. You know what he does? He falls on the grenade. Right? Purple heart stuff, right? He gave his life because he loved him. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. Do you see what it's saying? Jesus took your sin in his own body on the tree. And he bore your guilt and your shame and hung naked before the world. I'm doing it for you. I don't have any sin of my own. I'm doing it for you. Get it? The same time Jesus was hanging there on the cross, bearing our sins, Scripture says, he took your headaches, your ear problems, your eye problems, your nose problems, your lung problems, your neck problems, your bone problems, your muscle problems, your joint problems, your gastrointestinal problems, your nervous system problems. How many hear me? Jesus took it on his own body on the tree. He's a victorious soldier. He did it for you. He gave his life for you. He did it so you can be free. Can you see that? Man, that's strong, isn't it? I got to go a little slow. See these words. This is powerful stuff. And see, you're not going to get this just reading it. So, well, that was, a good, that was a good scripture to read this morning. You got to think about it. Jesus hung on the cross for that skin thing that came on me in Ethiopia. How many hear me? You know, I challenge my body quite a bit and I put it through a lot of grief because I exercise a lot. And I'm constantly saying, Lord, you took that pain for me. How many hear me? 
or any time the enemy is to attack my physical body. I, I See, I have, I have the rights to exercise faith in God for healing because with the same sacrifice that Jesus stood in the gap for me and took my sin, he also stood in the gap for me and bore my sicknesses and my pains. So I'm trying to get you to see this. You see that? See, that, that's, that's, that's the specifics of faith in God for healing. And so, Pastor, why are you so adamant about it? Well, because all of these, these words, this word born, this word carry, those are Levitical words. What do you mean? They come from the book of Leviticus. They come from the day of atonement. And, and it's amazing. I mean, God's just laid it out in the scriptures, and we just need to read it and believe it. Jesus became our scapegoat. For our sins and our sicknesses. Those words born and carried, look at where else they're, they're used. Go to Leviticus 16. Y'all here? Leviticus 16, here we are. The day of atonement happened once a year in Israel. The high priest had to take three animals. He had to take a goat and sacrifice it for his own sins. And then he got two other goats. And then he kind of eeny, meeny, miny, mo thing, you know. One of them is going to live, and the other one is going to be sacrificed and die. So, you know, eeny, meeny, mighty, moe, catch a tiger by his toe. If you hollers, let him go. Eeny, meeny, mighty, moe. So that dude dies. So he sacrificed one goat for the sins of the people, and then he took that blood, went into the Holy of Holies, and the, and the, the top of the Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat and he poured it on that mercy seat because that's where the presence of God came down, right? Presence of God abided there in the tabernacle of Moses and then in the temple of Solomon when it was built. And the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies and only the high priest could go and only once a year and only after he watched himself, put on all kind of special clothes and did and even sacrificed an animal for his own sins. Then he went in there and poured that blood on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, and, and God viewed the covenant he had with Israel through that blood. And it's that blood that covered their sins once a year. Our, blood, our, our sins aren't covered, our sins are cleansed. Is that good? But then the high priest would take another goat, and it's called the scapegoat. Everybody say scapegoat. And I said all that so we can read with intelligence, verse 21 of Leviticus 21 and verse 22. He will lay both. Now, here's the high priest. So he takes the goat up to the edge of Jerusalem. I've been right on the Mount of Olives. There's a big valley, and you can just see. I love those valleys where you can see for miles, probably 10, 15 miles. And he goes right there, and here's what it says. He will lay both of his hands on the goat's head. And confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. In this way, he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Isn't that crazy? Look at it. Then a man specially chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. As the goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry it will lift the heavy burden of sin, remove it to a far distance. It will carry the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. Wow. See, God did all this so the Israelites could see <laughs> there's a Messiah coming. He's going to give his life. 
He's going to give his physical life, but his spiritual life. This refers to Jesus' spiritual life. Jesus died twice on the cross. He died, first of all, spiritually, when he who knew no sin became our sin. Sin's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. Sin is ostracization from God. Sin is being cut off from God because of who we are and what we've done. Jesus was cut off from God for us. He bore our sins on the cross, right? And and, and that's what the high priest, every year, the day of atonement, they killed that, that animal and that animal's blood covered their sin. And then they saw the goat and they saw the high priest confess all of their sins. He probably said something like, I confess all of the sins, all of the sins of the mind, all of the sins of words, all of the sins of actions, all of the sins of motives. For this whole past year, for the entire congregation of the children of Israel, I now bequeath them to you, little goaty, goaty, goaty. And in a spiritual way, that goat bore their sins away. See, when Jesus died, he died spiritually. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then he died physically like that goat on Day of Atonement died. Then Jesus went. There's a a Hebrew word, azel, and there's three different ways you can look at it. He went to the demonic realm is one way to look at it. Or he went to a wilderness place. That's called hell. That goat went into the wilderness, into a solitary place, never to be seen again. And typically he bore the sins of Israel and they watched him go with their sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't go immediately into heaven. Uh, he, uh, he, he, he said, as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the great fish, the son of man will be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. He went to hell. And he stayed there until God was satisfied our sin debt was paid. Is that good news? See, see, the Israelites, he's looking back at that goat. So, aha, that's why that goat went into the wilderness. Well, that goat that took our sins, my friends, he also took our sicknesses as well. Is that good news? 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And so again, Peter's referring back to the cross. He bore our sins in his body on the cross that we having died to sin might live righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Then he's looking back at Isaiah's commentary in Isaiah 53, verse 4. So I want you to see that when Jesus took your sins, Jesus took your sicknesses. So question, what kind of physical challenges do you have? What are you putting up with? I don't know about you, but I don't put up with physical things. Do you? Some people say, well, I got this condition. Well, get rid of it. Let go of it. Well, this is my condition. I've had this all, I've had this for X number. Well, 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 give it away. Jesus took that condition for you. It's probably not a great thing to say. Some people have an organ recital regularly with their friends. Well, I got a problem with my kidneys. I got a problem with my liver. I got a problem with my, you know what I'm saying, right? It's supposed to be funny, but y'all ain't laughing. Because you know what people are doing? They're wanting to gain human sympathy. Yes or no? If 
family members do that, do they? Well, I'd go do that, but, you know, this thing's giving me problems again. I've had that for six years. Well, let it go. Why do I need to bear something that Jesus bore for me? You get it? So, so why put up, you know, w- would you put up with, well, that's a sin there, you know. I got a sin I'm dealing with. Well, get rid of the sin. Confess it. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, right? So why don't we treat sickness the same way? Don't treat it as a pet. Don't treat it as an object of sympathy. Curse it in Jesus' name. And let it hang on his body when he hang on the cross, hung on the cross. Is that true? I mean, over the years, I'm, you know, 62. I'll be 63 in October. I'll take, now, if I had to, needed to, I would. And we'll go with the practical in a minute. If I needed to take medication, I would. But right now, I don't need to because I don't have any physical problems that tell me I need to do that. How many hear me? Have I ever taken medication? Absolutely have because I needed to at the moment until I could believe God and get rid of the thing causing me pain. Right? And we'll get into the ultra-practical, so don't go ozone on me with this and say, well, I'm going to get rid of all my medication, my heart medication and this medication. No, don't be dumb. You can't do what I do unless you've done what I've done in the background. You get that? I've been doing this a long time. This is not my first rodeo. Okay? So you just got to understand. But what I'm wanting you to see is, If you don't put up with sin, why put up with sickness? Hello? And can I go a step further? In America, we have the pharmaceutical industry. And we have made a lot of people multimillionaires and some multibillionaires. Yes or no? Now, there's nothing wrong with pharmaceuticals if you need them. I've taken them. The doctor said to me in my life, take one three times a day and follow the regimen, and you'll be all right. And I said, yes, sir, thank you, and I will. Right? But see, we use that as a crutch. And most of us don't even think about trusting God with our bodies because we just go to the doctor, take a pill, And we think that's going to cure everything. That's not going to cure everything. Most of that just simply deals with symptoms until your body can heal itself. Yes or no? Right? So again, if you think that I'm talking against medical science, I'm not. If you think I'm talking against the pharmaceutical industry, I'm not. I'm just saying, I think we ought to put first things first. And if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, why don't seek him first for my body? Huh? Now, you know, I could get deeply ridiculed, and I'm prepared if people don't like what I'm saying, but I've been living this way. You know, somebody years ago said the proof of the pudding's in the eating. I've been living this way, you know, since I was 18 years old. You know, I've had a few dips and bumps in the road, but here we are. You know, and I'm expecting God to live a long time. You'll watch me every week. And you'll see when I have pain and I have to deal with and have to walk by faith and all that. How many hear me? But my plans are, if Jesus took my sins and took my sicknesses at the same time, and Isaiah showed it to me, and the Day of Atonement showed it to me, I'm after it. 
I'm going to do, I, I'm going to obey. I, I want what Jesus did for me. I'd hate to get to heaven and Jesus say, you know, you could have been healed of that particular problem, but you never asked me. You know, there was a king in the Old Testament. Instead of seeking the Lord, he sought the, the physicians and he died. Now, I'm not going to say physicians will kill you. But the emphasis and the context of that king's seeking physicians was he did not want to honor God with his life. And he didn't want to seek God. He wanted to do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it as long as he wanted to do. And didn't want God involved in his affairs. And God said, fine. And he died. How many hear me? So I don't know about you. I want to give Jesus every part of me. Spirit, soul, and body. So if my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which I have from God and I'm not my own, and if I should give glory to God in my body, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, can I give God glory in my body if it's sick? No. Can I give God glory by being sick? Some people think they're sick and they're giving God glory. If that's the case, don't take any medication. Get as sick as you can. Don't go to the doctor. Why are you doing that? You're, you're voiding the will of God. If it's the will of God for you to be sick, don't see the physician. Don't see the doctor. Don't take the medicine. Endure the pain. In fact, say, God, just make me as sick as you possibly can. Give me all the pain you possibly can. If it's your will, I want to be on your will. I want to give you the most glory. So, so load it up. Now, I'm getting some looks when I say that. We live contradictory lives. The same mouth says, well, the Lord might want me to have that. Well, then don't take medicine. And then we go to the doctor. Give me a break. No, you glorify God by being well and not sick, by receiving your healing, by trusting God for his best. Everybody good? Let me give you one more illustration. Have we got time? Ah, we ran out of time. We'll get this one next time. I got this serpent on a stick in Numbers 21. We'll go there next time. Is that good? I'll start with that one. Is that all right? I got so much, the time gets away. How many want to trust God for your physical body? Now, we come back next time, we want to get real practical. See, that's the foundation. Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our pains and carried our sicknesses. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his wounds were healed, physically healed. That's the basis for faith in God for healing. Let me tell you what I've done with that. I've taken that and um, I've read it over and over and over and over and over and over. And I used to have a Southern Baptist mind. Some of you have had a Southern, Southern Baptist mind. Other people have Presbyterian minds. Some people have Methodist minds. Some people have Pentecostal minds. You get what I'm saying? But I had a Southern Baptist mind and it kick out this stuff when I read it and say it's not so. And I say, wait, that's what the scripture says. Then I did some digging in the scriptures like I did this morning. And my, my Southern Baptist mind would say, that's not true. And I said, it has to be, it's in the Bible. The traditions of men make the word of God ineffective for many people. I had to be willing to get rid of my traditions, my Southern Baptist traditions, because they didn't teach and preach divine healing. And so when you come to the truths of Scripture about what Jesus did for you, you got to be deal, uh, willing to deal with your preconceived notions about things, right? 
So I've meditated on these scriptures a lot. Meditation means to say something over and over and over and over. Sometimes I do it in my mind if I'm asleep. I did it last night. I actually woke up last night and went over all these scriptures in my, and I meditated them until I went back to sleep. I do that during the day when I'm driving somewhere. When I take a few minutes, I'll take some time and meditate the scriptures. In the mornings, I'll meditate some scripture after I pray. Meditate. What does it do? It takes the word of God from your head and gets it right down into your heart. When God's word gets inside of you, it changes you. At the end of the notes, if you'll go to the website, and I'll close with this. At the end of the notes, I've got a a section titled, uh, it's an addendum. It's called Healing Scripture. And I haven't counted how many there's. It's all the scriptures that I I could quote every one of these verbatim, probably with correct punctuation. Because I've been doing it for 40-something years. But that's what I do. That's how I build my faith in God for healing. So how how about be a spiritual prepper? How about, get, how about get ready to help somebody else or help yourself and when the enemy attacks and get your faith ready? What do you say? How many want to trust God for your healing? Is that, now, we're going to get real practical next time. Don't throw your medication away. Don't throw your glasses away because I don't want to be around you if you're driving without them. You say, well, Pastor, what about your glasses? Well, the truth is, truth is, I don't need glasses. I got 20-20 vision. But I happen to be 62 years old and the lenses, and I believe I receive, but right now the lenses in my eye, when I look at small print, it's not as clear as it used to be. So these are called progressives. You get it? And I went to the eye doctor, ophthalmologist, and she said, I said, I'm ripping my glasses off all the time and I leave them on a chair. I leave them over here and I forget where they're at. She said, well, get you some progressive lenses. And I said, you say, yeah, just keep them on your face. I said, that's a good idea. So I got 20-20 here, but I can read that small print, right? Look there, look there. You get it? 